0: And so, today is the release of your latest album. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's pretty exciting. It's, mm. it's my fourth record. I've done a couple of EPs, too. The fourth record is sort of As Me. Yeah. Um, but that's been stretched over, well, I suppose, the first record came out in 2004, so over a decade now. Wow. Uh, 11 years, so, you know, sort of. I'm pacing them pretty slow, <laughs> drawing out the you know drawing it out a bit, mm. um, but so uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's when they take a while; it's a great relief. Yeah, you
0: know. I could imagine.
1: Yeah, it's a big build up. Yeah, and a big build up, and it just keeps building. And yeah, it's like... and then it sort of drags, and then you're just like, oh come on. <laughs> mm. um, but it's a, it's, a, it's mostly up to you, though. It also then often when you've got the artistic part sort of done, and that can take a little You know, you might have a few false starts and then, uh, I mean, you either put it out yourself or um, you try and get other people interested to work with you. Mm. And that can, that could add a year to the process. Yeah, right. um, Unless you like the sort of latest hot sort of thing that gets signed immediately, you kind of got to find people who are keen and get to know them and start a process. And so that, you know, it makes sense to start that process before you've finished. (laughs) 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 Otherwise you can be like, wow, you know. This song's called baby bonus it's set up uh somewhere around nimbin lismore area uh, and in this song I'm, I'm a beautiful kind of uh feral girl uh, i don't have a name maybe a uh, jamila Kwan all <laughs> <don't know> right <laughs>
2: Tonight. I think I'm gonna need that baby bonus. I hope they get the details right. Gary's on his back in the nimble Hills, recovering from a brown snake bite. But Lord, I'm gonna need that baby bonus. Cold cash will make it all right. Will help us move on into light. Singing, hey Mr. Jesus, Mr. Hindu too.
1: I bring me that
2: bonus, I believe. Baby was born in the morning Traditional Caesarean style I sucked down that air conditioning It's the most I'm gonna get for a while Gary got a leech where the sun don't shine His darkness in his beautiful eyes El Nino's coming The golden rule i help get the kids through school But see me a shot the Baba Harry Christian Oh bring me that bonus I believe
0: i Kelly, and this is Alistair Marks, and you are listening to Coming Up Next in 2016. Welcome back, friends, of the Coming Up Next work, and if this is your first time tuning in, hi, I'm Al, but you can call me Alistair. Wait, no, it's the other way around. Anyway, I am absolutely thrilled to be bringing you my chat with Dan on the day that he launched his new album, Leisure Panic. I think this is the first time I've ever actually spoken to an artist on the day of their um their album launch and you will find Leisure Panic on iTunes and at any good independent retailer but that's enough of me and my introduction here is my chat with Dan Kelly So is it deliberate on your behalf to take so long between albums or is it just kind of a matter of
1: circumstance or what it's, no, it's not deliberate. Look, I would put them out a lot quicker if I could, um, but I don't write them that quick. Mm. Um, I did write a bunch of, a couple of these songs really quickly after the last record and went and recorded them, and they're on the record. And I was like, oh, this is easy. I don't know why I haven't <laughs> done this before. <laughs> then I did a bunch more and went to London to work with uh, my mate, Aaron, who has helped me produce the last few records. He used to play in my band, uh, Dan Kelly and the Alpha Males. mm he just has a little studio there and uh, we wrote some songs and and we mixed some songs that I'd done here that he'd come and help me record and I thought oh that's the record but I brought it home listened to it and I was like oh, it's not right it's a bit boring and so it was like okay let's start that process again and so before i knew it i'd sort of i'd been working really quickly and then i was just like oh, it's not done you know and i don't think i'm a perfectionist i just don't think it was a it was really great, you mm. know. Uh, and then they just seemed to stretch on. You know, I I play, you know, my, I play with other people. I play with Paul Kelly as a guitar player. Mm. Did a couple of years really straight, sort of full-on touring with him. Mm. He's your uncle? My uncle, yeah. yeah. Um, which has been fantastic because that's been sort of my paying job. Because my career, I mean, let's talk about it as a career, but me as a musician... Uh, like you said it's been sustained I'm, you know I've managed to kind of live doing it for sort of 15 years mm. um, but as putting out my own songs I don't think I probably I've never made a huge whack of money mm. so um, having this sort of side job is every couple of years of going and playing guitar for Paul Kelly or you know play have with some other people here and there mm. that's what's kind of paid the rent um, so I go and do that and it's fun you know I've learned a lot and as a musician, it's good to keep mixing it up and play more, you mm. know. Uh, but uh, that sort of drew it out. I just went away. Right. And then I sort of went, I'm kind of prone to travel a bit just to see what's going on. And I feel like I have to go and do stuff to have stuff to put in my songs. Mm. Even though they're quite, I really imagine my songs, they're kind of these kind of sort of meta-narrative fantasies <laughs> with my life kind of hidden in between the lines. Mm. Um, I can't just completely construct them sitting in a bedroom. Uh, I have to kind of be able to hark back to a feeling or something that's happened to me or, or some other friends, or I've just got to have some experience or I don't feel like I, mm. I don't seem to write them. Mm. You know, I don't seem to write the good ones. Right. You know, um, but, uh, and so that's a long winded answer to question. Um, but basically <laughs> if I could put one out every six months, I think it would be better. Mm. Um, on the other side I suppose the small amount of fans I've got there's certainly built up some anticipation Mm. (laughs) so uh, yeah there's a fine line between being prolific and saturating exactly and you know look it's an interesting so four and a half years between now and the last record uh, you know entire scenes and genres have kind of risen and crested and fallen and other ones have done Mm. it and uh, so it's not very handy for like I've never been like a sort of a genre artist or a buzz kind of guy who's on the latest sound and everyone went crazy. And I just kind of, I hint at, you know, uh, different types of music that have influenced me uh, Mm. over that period, you know, like, you know, this record, there's kind of, you know, there'd be sort of stuff like, you know, you're more sort of Melbourne garage rock, has kind of crept in because that's what there's been a lot of that going around and you know Mm. um so i sort of pay heed to that stuff but i just generally write a bunch of different styles with my you know my Mm. little sort of story songs in there Mm.
0: um you certainly have your own flavor that's for sure
1: yeah well i'm I'm glad about that Uh, it's not my influences are pretty obvious i think but the same token it is kind of personality Mm. that gets you across the line i think Well, the the people like, uh, they don't have to like you personally, but you do, you know, you get caught in someone's story and um, then if that appeals to you, you kind of stick with it regardless of the, you know, the sound, I suppose, or the, Mm. you know, whereas I might have had a huge amount of success, say, if I'd been, you know, if I'd been sort of emo at one point or, you know, like, or electronica or, you know, Mm. um but the same token when you sort of uh sort of tie yourself to one of those things very difficult to kind of um keep it going if mm. that scene sort of falls out of fashion and break out of it as well yeah exactly it's difficult like if you can make a first record that sounds like a new wave band from 1981 and it's just huge mm. and then you have to make a decision well okay now do i have to is my second record going to sound like the same new wave band from 1983 or do I have to get into another th- you know what I mean so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but the good bands kind of find their way from that and then get their own sound mm. but you know I've certainly seen a lot of musicians come and go over the last 15 years like I mean it's probably wise like mm. you said some of them got kids some of them are working they seem quite content mm. you know what I mean I'm not I'm not holding it out there that it's necessarily a good thing to just kind of keep <laughs> slamming away but it seems to be what I do you know yeah well I guess it's different strokes yeah, and you just don't really. There's no kind of clear answer as to why people say you. You got to be. You must be happy doing what you love. That's a classic thing that you always hear. Yep. And you don't know if you love it. I mean, you enjoy the process like anything. It's like any job. You you can look back with a perspective and go. I mean, it's more than a job, but there's a there's a magic and a mystery and a whole story to to making yourself as a, a kind of a writer or a. It can be kind of a bland m- magic or mystery, or mm. but um, but it's still like anything. You at times you just think, mm, I'm not really sure why I'm doing this. Like I w- often quote Dave Graney. I think he's got a line in the Rock and Rolls where I hide, where he talks about you know being a, a Jim Morrison hiding out in the Australian Doors cover band, undercover. No one that suspects that it's actually Jim Morrison. Mm. But he's got a line that says, you know, you're a slave to a half-forgotten ambition. Mm. and I often think about that I think "Hmm." (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm not sure at what point I decided to sort of do this I think I just you kind of get into it and then before you know it you're like well I'm not really sure what else I'd do Yeah. Um, which again sounds a bit drab because there's probably a million things to do Mm. but it's not as easy some people are really good I think at jumping into different careers Uh, I've never been tremendously kind of I'm not one of those people who's just kind of Mm. right now it's time to open a restaurant right you know, yeah yeah you know, you know you'd know people like, like that who just, yeah exactly it would just you know business-minded people who can just put that stuff together and mm. it's all a bit more kind of slow food for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i've had an idea <laughs> two years later all right i should act on that yeah. yeah open a canteen
0: yeah yeah i feel a little bit the same way uh in the sense that again this podcast kind of came about because I'm deeply curious about why other people have chosen to kind of follow this uh, path because it's the path or the road less traveled. Um, It's, you know, the one thing that most people value over anything else is certainty. And this is not a a career or a lifestyle that has any guarantees or any certainty other than that there is no certainty.
1: Yeah, I... I agree. And, I mean, I think it's changing on two fronts. One, I just think, you know, with the whole rise of the internet, um, there's a lot more people out there doing this, even if it's temporary. Mm. Everyone's kind of having a crack. You know, you've got people who are famous for just being YouTube commentators. Or, yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> um, So there's that. And also, I think, just that the way that the general workforce is moving, which is kind of sort of set up by the political system where the idea of having a job that you and certainty is kind of thrown out the window a bit now anyway Mm. like i don't know it's like the figures i was reading it's like the average time of time anyone spends in a job these days is like two and a half years or something max it it was some crazy thing obviously so the idea of just kind of punching in, and unless you have maybe work for the ABC or or, or a university or mm. something where you could almost get a tenure like thing, or
0: even universities, I've heard are you know sort of doing three to six month contracts that just keep rolling over.
1: Um, exactly. So it's like I think a lot more people are facing that now, mm. and uh, and probably you know I think it's a probably a bit more of an anxious age. You know, they talk about you know anxiety seems to be a very uh, popular topic and stuff like that and everyone's like what am i doing and yeah uh what's going to happen and all that stuff um and you know you and you have your sort of reactionary politicians who are trying to bring it back to the 50s but you can't change the way it's all been set up you know mm. so um i don't necessarily think now that this is a unique thing for artists uh or that and artists i don't think are quite as unique as they used to be which you know There's just so many more. But sticking with it is another thing, you know. But again, that just could be sort of blind stupidity or... I mean, because you see people on Australian Idol or something, not that it's something I watch a lot, but um, Mm. I've watched the odd audition. They're the the funnest bits. But but you've got people who are obviously just... It's it's not going to happen for them, but they're completely convinced or they've been told by their family or that this is, you know... And they'll hammer away for years at doing something that they, you know, and you have to wonder as an artist of my, you know, because I, I've established something. I think people, some people really like what I do. I've kind of painted my life and on the airwaves in a way. But you know, I've never had a, a hit record or, I mean, if if I was explaining my career to someone from overseas, they would have never heard of me unless they were very lucky. I wouldn't be able to say, oh yeah, I had a number seventy-three on the charts in Australia in nineteen. 19- Whatever <laughs> or two thousand, you know, because it's sort of uh there's not a kind of a whole lot there that we go. Oh, he was a he was a famous rock and roller or not? Fa- you know, mm. the um, scales different. Yeah, so it's kind of like so you go. Wow, do I even e- kind of exist? <laughs> That's what I, is this kind of stupid that I'm doing? Am I one of those people who you you maybe one of your friends should have taken a side at 25 and gone? Maybe you should have. Um, you know, kept doing environmental science or yeah. whatever I was studying. <laughs> you know what I mean? That uh, that's another way to get depressed. Mm. Being an environmentalist would be tough in this mm. day and age. Uh, so you think about that a lot, but I think it's something. And like you said, I think there there's some kind of individual voice to what I do, and I'm, I'm at least proud of that, that I'm not, uh, I'm, I haven't gone for a cookie cutter kind of template mm. where I've ended up being famous kind of, regurgitating or slightly subtly varying stuff that people know is going to be successful
3: Mm. Um,
1: that is not that easy to do anyway you know like i think people say i could write a lot of songwriters who are really good say oh i could write you know an edm pop song Mm. you know and kill it but they don't and it's almost like to write something that's huge on the charts you can't just be cynic, you can't necessarily just be a cynical songwriter and just do it because you, you know you don't like it, but you know it's going to be huge. I mean, some th- some people could. I think you actually have to really believe. You have to love pop music, you know, and R and B and or you know whatever's big at the time. You actually have to kind of really love that stuff, mm. or, or people can hear it. Like it, it's. I think it sounds false. So I could, even though. Uh, you know I think I've got some skills as a songwriter I couldn't just go and pump out a big you know euro, euro funk mm. you know dance hit even <laughs> though it sounds quite formulaic a lot of that stuff yeah because it's just people can still see through it you know what I mean
0: mm. you have to be authentic in
1: your art yeah totally it's uh, I think um, humans humans are still have got a real sensor for that and that's that's why they re, uh, respond to stuff um, I certainly I'm going to keep hacking away at getting people to respond to my stuff Mm. more (laughs) because I don't really make any money from this and it's not a huge goal but it is like just like okay how do you pay the rent you know what I mean Mm. Uh, and secure yeah okay I'm sort of it's a sort of second phase of my career and it's like well I have no super I just rent a house I rent rent a little You know, house in a flat. Oh, I've actually got a room in a share house at the moment. And it feels boring to talk about security, but you just go, okay, if I was going to meet someone and have kids, I mean, I'm not sure what I could bring to the table there financially. (laughs) 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 Uh, Bring plenty of lullabies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Probably, yeah, hook up with somebody who's got a lot of money. (laughs) 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 That might be the plan. Mm. Yeah. You're out there.
0: If you're listening, yeah. lady with a lot of money, yeah. um, Dan Kelly yeah. is here for you.
1: Yeah. Um, I might meet her in the rack today. I might meet her in the street. Yeah, <laughs> just go down to the cafes. Yeah, I just linger around with my Ray Bans on, holding your guitar. Yeah, looking, you know, smoking closed cigarettes. Yeah, Funny <laughs> Leonard Cohen songs
0: with a Louis Vuitton tattoo on your arm. Yeah,
1: um, all right, or just a you know, decal perhaps. Yeah. I've never got any tattoos. It's funny, a lot of musicians have tattoos, but I never trusted my um, instincts and in art that much, or they were always changing, that I've, I've marked myself. I mean, I think you go with tattoos, you go two ways. You either just go, oh, just stuff it, just put a heap on, and don't think too hard about it, mm. in which case it just, or you think really, really hard about a statement that you're going to make. Mm. and uh, oh, I just, I'm probably too chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know what I'd get. It's too permanent. You know, I'm, if I was 18, I probably would have got a butthole surface tattoo oh, yeah. or something. And now I probably <laughs> probably wouldn't want to be rocking that. No. Not that I don't like the butthole surface, but I'd be like... People would just be
0: yelling pepper at you all the time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Or, you know, whoever else I was into then. You know, the Jesus lizard or something. I just sort of think, I'm glad I didn't do it. I've got friends who, you know, had t- Pixies tattoos and, you know, still love the Pixies, but they're like, I don't know, like a 42-year-old man, I don't know. Just want a Pixies tattoo mm. on my body. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I got into that.
0: Mm. No, I don't. uh I don't have any tattoos either. Yeah. I, I considered. I've considered a couple of times, and yeah, like you, it's just. Just kind of go. Do I really want this marked on me forever? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I don't think um, so.
1: But ta- I mean, great tattoos look great. Yeah, I agree. You know, But, you you know, like anything, once it's made it to footy, it's peaked. Yeah. (laughs) You know, certain haircuts and, you know. And beards. And beards and sleeves and stuff. You can sort of tell that that kind of hip culture is kind of peaked. Mm. Got to go somewhere else now.
0: Mm. I remember, I think it was around the comedy festival last year. I was uh, with a friend having a drink at a bar afterwards. And I used to have a beard, but. It wasn't a fashion statement so much as it was a statement of my energy levels of shaving. Yeah. Uh, and so I had a beard and I was wearing a um, a checkered shirt and it was a must have been probably a seven or eight-year-old shirt. Yeah. And I remember just standing at this bar looking around going, every guy here has a beard and a checkered shirt. And I just remember the next day I got up and suddenly had this uh, great motivation and energy to shave <laughs> and change your shirt and change my shirt.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. I mean, it, it harks back to being a musician or an artist or you kind of, you think, Oh, I'm doing my little individual thing. And then mm. you often look around and go, wow, I'm hearing that. I didn't invent that mm. or, you know, and it's kind of, it's a, it's a, there's two ways to then do it you kind of either take it further into that area and go well I'm just going to give people what they want or you just go oh okay I've got to get a bit more I've got to push the culture forward or sideways or something here Mm. because it's a bit depressing to sound like everybody else I've sort of done that I think a bit more though it's not like I'm making like experimental deep kind of like hard to fathom or futuristic music but I'm sort of I still try and kind of add my kind of flavour to it I mm. suppose just at least just for my own ego to know that I just didn't spend my whole life doing something exactly like other people <laughs> but then it's still you know you know doing all different kind of genres songs with you know kind of story lyrics and it probably hasn't it's probably no no different really to Bob Dylan or the Beatles or um, or Chuck Berry for that reason mm. you know it might have a bit more of a modern thing but well, they're pretty good influences. Oh, I think, yeah, I think they're great and uh, that's why people keep going back, mm. you know, because there was a sort of a hu- humanity and a kind of a freshness to that stuff then. Mm. But you do go, wow, it's 50 years later and am I just an idiot, <laughs> you
0: know? Uh, well, something quite liberating that I heard was that uh, originality is actually the death of creativity. And I don't mean, I don't think that means that something that is original is the death of creativity, but... Striving for to try and do something that hasn't been done before can kill your creativity because it can be a roadblock um, because everything really has been done before, and so it's really like you say it's about putting your own flavour or your own spin. It's not reinventing the wheel, but it's how do I make this Dan Kelly's wheel or Alistair Marx's wheel?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, yeah. I can sort of see like. People often say to me, sort of writers I've talked to, it's like that. They're like, sort of, don't edit too much as you write. Write a a whack of stuff, come back to it and edit it. Mm. Um, And I think that's the same thing. If you're overthinking what you're doing at the point of creation, and I've done that a lot, Mm. (laughs) yeah, you can really slow it down and just get consumed with these worries. It's like, um. I think that's why collaborating in a rock and roll band is, um, or any type of music is often the way forward. Uh, I've had really good players who I've played with though I've probably been guilty of for some reason I still have to kind of complete stuff myself yeah. and um, have control over or something. I wouldn't call myself a control freak as a person. I mean, I don't think that's something that you'd come away thinking about me. And and people get to an extent get the free reign in the band but at the same token, I've still got to I always end up having a vision that I've got to complete. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of the great music that's been made has actually been like a, a few key people bringing ideas and collaborating. Mm. And it's something I'd like to do more because um, it's a strange, lonely, weird life when you've got complete control. Mm. You kind of go, right, good, I've got that. But then it's kind of like, oh, now what? It's not kind of always fun because everything that you come up with, you've kind of thought about in advance. And when, when you're doing it, even if it's something that's worked really well or you're doing this great show, you're like, I've already thought about this yeah. and planned it. And there's not a lot of sponta- spontaneity, I think, sometimes. Mm. But, then, you know, someone like Kevin Parker from Tame Parlour can just kind of take his thing and just... And uh, I think that would be really satisfying mm. for him. Just run with it. Yeah, because he's got these people who're totally behind him, and then they can play it live. Great, and mm. it's an it's you've got to be really really good at everything to be able to pull that off. Yeah, so, you know, and uh, and have a really uh, people who you really know and trust. Um. But saying that, I've always been really happy with the people I've played with, and I've tried to get strong, often songwriters to play in my band, because um, um. I don't really like just having. Session players, I mean, session players can be great, but uh, I, I like sort of people who are bit, sort of a bit looser and feel like they're on a bit more of a holiday camp with my band as yeah, opposed yeah. to a a job because I can't pay them session <laughs> cut rates anyway, mm. and you know, and the music, I think, has personality. It's not just about me, so I need people uh, to kind of who sort of stand out a bit. Mm again i'm just rambling really no that's all right this
0: this podcast is just a long ramble yeah um yeah it's just tangents Mm -hmm. like just going where the flow takes us yeah um but i am curious to know what album release day must sort of feel like
1: it's a funny one uh album release week is kind of scary because a few reviews come out mm. and uh and i try not to read them but you can't help it <laughs> and i've had a, i came got two really good reviews straight away great um and then well, i got well, a couple of well, reviews that were like three and a half stars but they was, were really good reviews but then you go but what, okay why have you know where's that half a star you know what i mean or what i mean because no one expects to do a five star record or i don't but you know mm. um i mean none of my music has ever really what I've found is people who even really like what I do, which is a bit idiosyncratic, don't always like the same songs. Mm. That, that people go, "I really like that song," or "I really like that song," and it's not. I don't sort of make these records where it's just kind of really obvious everyone likes the same thing. Sure. So I'm always really with reviewers. I'm like, "Oh, well, they they get some of it. Some other, you know, they might they might really like the Euro kind of funk song track ten, but they're not so big on the kind of country." Mm. Um, hillbilly song about pregnancy you know track five you know i've always really prepared for that but Mm. you're still going oh you know what can i do here to make that better or so you kind of have this kind of existential horror that something that you've been sitting on for four years is out there and (laughs) people commenting on it and you also feel really egotistical because there's often if you've got your promo happening then there's often pictures of you around and you just kind of go (laughs) oh um but it's also a great relief and you go oh um a friend of mine died last night who uh, oh, was, wow. a, was a great, great musician. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, I just read about it on Facebook. You know, I'm not so, It wasn't like a great friend of mine, but a guy I've met a bit, played with, really liked. Fantastic guitar player. So I just kind of woke up this morning. I wrote a little thing on Facebook last night because I thought, I always feel really odd about that. Do you particularly eulogising people? Because you're still drawing well, a bit of attention to yourself, going, look, I, you know, Facebook's a bit weird like that anyway. But mm. I just, I really, you know, I want to say something and this is the way to say it. Um, and then you sort of wake up in the morning of your album release and you think, oh, you, then you meant to go on social media and go, hey, wow. And, but I sort of don't want to. I just kind of want to think about him mm. <laughs> for a bit. And, and uh, so that was just a funny one for me. I'm just kind of like uh, it's Immediately, you have to go in, back into the world of kind of spruking yourself. It feels really odd, mm. but it's just the way the world turns and the yeah. twenty-four hour news cycle and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. But you kind of like, and you know, he was a guy who's done what we're talking about. Fantastic journal, uh, sort of journeyman musician who's played in great bands and traveled the world, and, sort of, and he died too young, and you just think anyway sorry to be down on no, no, no. No, that okay. that's what i feel like on the morning of my release yeah he's going to go um but i'm glad to be alive uh mm. for all its attendant horrors and um and i'm glad the record's kind of out i got the box of vinyl yesterday i've never made vinyl before mm. and probably still cuz i'm kind of like the, the, the sort of slightly older generation musician like you know i'm not 21 uh that's something that uh, that's really exciting for me because probably the first couple of records vinyl was dead mm. you know what I mean so it's really picked up in the last five or six years and I could have done it then but it would have been it would have cost me a squillions and no one would have bought it and, yeah sure you know uh, but yeah I've probably sort of I meant you know like you know just going through my parents record collection in, in the 70s when I was you know in little kid and pretty exciting to actually have vinyl that's a big picture with your name printed on it yeah it's a real tactile kind of Mm. kick that I've never really got before with CDs or or just sending people a file Mm. I mean it's the immediacy of that's great Mm. uh, but so that was a real kick that was a great thing to do drive to the factory you know go in there with the smell of all all the kind of whatever they use the the lacquer Mm. (laughs) melted lacquer and you know watch all these kind of hip Kind of people sweating over pressing machines, and they go, "Oh yeah, we got your box of stuff here," and mm. went and dropped it into a record store, and who wanted a couple on consignment. And I was like, again, bringing back to the Chuck Berry thing. I was like, "Well, th- that, this is kind of exciting. This is what you get hooked on when you read about, you know, someone doing that, driving around, dropping off boxes of records to stores, mm. in you know, in the South in America, or there's a connection to that." And you don't often get that feeling. You Mm. get it when people dance. I wish I wrote more dancey songs. I mean, I don't necessarily mean club bangers. Though, again, if I did that, uh, I'd be, you know, would be doing this from my mansion. (laughs) I'm not not saying this is a mansion, but you know (laughs) what I mean? But, uh, when people dance, you could get, you could get a real connection back to this whole kind of juke joint kind of, Mm. this is the reason that I'm playing music. Um, it's a really human and good thing. Mm. Um, because I write this kind of narrative folk rock, there's only... We do... We're like a party band in a way, but it's not always that danceable. So if I manage to pump one out that's got a groove, I'm always really stoked. Yeah. And I feel like it's almost like this is worthwhile. I mean, that's just going back to one of those things that you think, why am I doing this? And that is one of those things. Uh, Just that simple joy of playing in a little room and people moving. Mm. you know, Smiling
0: that stuff's pretty fun mm. um there's something quite romantic about the the road show aspect i guess of uh like you're saying going and delivering the records and then playing in quite intimate environments
1: yeah we're doing like a polyester records um in store today to launch it and i'm really i don't know who knows who's going to come to that but there'll be some families some friends and it'll be gut bucket little tiny little P, vocal pa and, I'm really looking forward to that because it's like yeah all these little moments you actually don't get that many of them Um, and they're the bits that you kind of really remember Mm. so that's that's fun Mm. Um, so you
0: started playing guitar when you were 13 is that right? yeah
1: 12 or 13 12 or 13 started playing a bit of piano but then sort of moved to guitar pretty quickly because everyone's kind of into it Mm. Uh, my mum played guitar she played piano too but We actually got a reel to reel, funnily enough, of a friend of my parents who died, you know, uh, and my mum's brother, who was also a mutual friend, had made a compilation of all the stuff they'd done all together when they had folk clubs in the early 70s. And I was really into music, and my parents played music a lot, and musicians in my family. But I remember it's like the first four tracks that I'd ever heard, you know, four track of music, you didn't really hear it unless you made it yourself, and I was like 10. Mm. Uh, You know, and bands like Ween, who then became you know real four track and style bands which became more popular on a sort of a, a wider scale weren't around then so i remember kind of just going wow uh this is just a guy and it was really good music um and quite funny he'd sped up the, t- the tape to make little chipmunk songs and, and often quite beautiful english folk style guitar and then mm. um and I remember that really thinking, oh, I want to learn to play some of those songs. So I got mum, mum and I used to sit and play those songs together. Um, and that's why I really got into playing guitar. It was actually through a, parent, a friend of my parents. Um, and, and my mum sort of showed me. And it was cool. You know, I was a pretty dorky little kid. Yeah. Bowl cut and glasses <laughs> with one arm, scaffold tape to my head. And always quite short for my age and, Mm. I mean, didn't do it to become popular I mean I've done TV shows where I've talked about just doing it because I wanted girls to like me and that was kind of true uh, just because I was so dorky but that's not the main reason you just kind of get like you know that's such an age where you just get swept up in the romance of things that's Mm. what I want to do and uh, so you do try and cling on to that feeling Mm. though it could be just really um like you said, it might be a waste of time. <laughs> <Do> <laughs> you never know the answer to that one. No, that's true. Well, one day you probably will. I mean, life could just be a big waste of time. Uh, mm. People get a lot of... Feel like, well, I'm having kids, so now I have a thrust of my life. Um, whether that means anything on the scale of anything, I don't know. It could mm. just mean the world dies one day quicker with a couple more mouths. But but if it, it's more what just it means to them, I suppose. And if there is a meaning of life, well, that's, that's the thing. Whether it's you get a bit of joy at some point,
0: it's what you make it mean, I yeah. think, or what we as individuals make it mean. But you know, I'd like to have kids at some point, but it's not happening at the moment, mm. you know. Until the rich lady from Turak calls, yeah, yeah, cool. calls in. Yeah, yeah. Calls in. It's like we have a phone service here that people can call in.
1: Yeah, I'll walk out of here in five minutes and it's all going to
0: happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember the moment there's one thing i love talking to people about is whether or not they remember the the kind of the first time that they or the earliest time they can remember entertaining people and getting that kind of rush of adrenaline that feeling that feedback that was kind of like this is something that i want to do i'm talking on a purely subconscious level but that this is something that you want to so for you it might have been the first time you played guitar, and I don't know if you got attention from some females or if you were getting really positive feedback from your family.
1: Or um, I probably it's very daggy, but it was when uh, our school band did played at our school concert when we were like I was probably fourteen, um, and we did we started with "One a Dead or Alive" by Bon Jovi. <laughs> so I grew up in the southern suburbs of Beenleigh, yeah. oh, of Brisbane, a place called Bean Lee and that stuff was pretty big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was all different crews at school. There was your sort of Smith's Cure crew, which I was into because I really liked that stuff. Um, but, I was, but then there was the crew who read Hot Metal magazine. You know, uh, Motley crew and all those bands, you know, Metallica were all huge. And, and there was your skater crew who was like NWA, Guns and Roses, Friends Beastie Boys. What was that? Friends or Wrong. Yeah, well, Friends of Run probably came a little later. I mean, this was probably 86, 87, kind of. Um, but yeah, you know, that was probably more like suicidal tendencies oh, yeah. and uh, the Stupids, Jesus means the Stupids, and but I, because I just dug music, I was kind of into all that stuff. So when we put together a little band, we did like a song by the Cult, which was probably considered pretty cool then. But then we like did a Bon Jovi song and an Inexcess song, and it sort of didn't. Yeah. We didn't think, oh, we're gonna be this we were just like, oh, we, we just did what everyone and different members of the band wanted to do. But we, so we started with wanted to Dare Alive, which is a pretty cheesy song. Yeah. But um, and it you worked were, really you were well. Singing? Uh, no, my mate Mike Sullivan was singing. Okay. I was just playing acoustic guitar. Um, And everyone was screaming and I was just like, oh, that's hilarious. Just, you know, and it was actually the you know, first thing I'd ever done uh, and it was really, there was 800 people going crazy. Yeah, wow. it never really happened again like that kind of ever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <You'd> <laughs> that chasing kind of rock moment, dragon. yeah, it really, it just, you know, I've never had this, some kind of crazy career where people have been going wild, it's just, you know, um, I've done really good shows that I enjoyed, and I suppose playing with Paul Kelly, and, um, I've been privy to some, you know, very cathartic moments with thousands and thousands, you know, 30,000 people going crazy and all that sort of thing, which is really fun. Mm. You know, even when I didn't make the stuff up. You go, well, this is great to be part of. Yeah. Um, that kind of energy transfer thing. Um, but uh, th- th- that was, yeah, that was fun. Pretty, da- pretty daggy. We were called the clams.
0: All right. So when you started your own kind of solo career, um, you tried to separate yourself from, uh, from your uncle? Little bit,
1: oh, yeah. I didn't want to be kind of because essentially I was doing you know Dylan esque kind of you know, I mean, not that 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 makes his what he's doing sound and what he does is very wide and very powerful and very popular. So, Mm. but you know, there's a there's a connection to that Dylan esque kind of Lou Reed kind of narrative sort of thing, and you know, I was to some extent doing that I'd, but I really didn't want to come out and, as Paul Kelly's nephew yeah. one because I knew I couldn't live up to it you know it's not you can't just kind of bust that sort of thing out and you know you've got it's well, for him it's like 40 years of intense work and concentration in life and um, and I probably knew that I probably could get at least some initial attention based on that and I certainly never shied away from it like I was honest I mean this I played in his band uh, not straight away but eventually I was playing in his band and I was like well this is this is great but uh, I just its just not my nature to kind of I just didn't want to trade on it and I knew it would kind of suck uh, I mean I probably liked playing a more kind of weird sort of Punk and kind of outsider influenced version of that sort of thing, uh, and and so I'd, yeah, I just and I just thought it was a bit of a shame job too, you mm. know, to come out and just go, hey, look at me, I'm Paul Kelly's nephew, you know what I mean? Because generally that just doesn't work. You see it happen, uh, you know, it's the easiest thing for the industry to do is put you in, sell some records based on that, and mm. you probably get a good run straight away. But then people are just like, well. I mean, it's like Jacob Dylan or something. I don't know. He's probably quite big in America, but um, do you want to listen to Jacob Dylan or would you rather listen to Bob Dylan? Mm. But then other people who are the relatives of good musicians have made great careers of themselves, but generally not by trumpeting the fact that. I think it just swallows people up. And uh, we're pretty diff- two different characters, me and Paul, uh, you know. So it would have been stupid to try and sell myself as some kind of other version of him. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, and freaks, just freak, the people, freak people out. <laughs> so, yeah, I just didn't do it. Um, I probably tried a bit hard, called myself Dank Alley at the start, but that was just you know, a bit of fun. And then, in retrospect, I probably wouldn't have called myself Dan Kelly. I probably would have come up... You know, these days people call themselves, I don't know, what's the thing, Mount Warning or something like that or... Lady Gaga. You know, or just, yeah, anything... People don't, you know, Dan Kelly's a very bog Irish sounding kind of name. And, and to me, it doesn't really exactly tell the, it doesn't kind of have the the expanse or the kind of mystery that I'm trying to put into my sort of adventurous kind of Mm. stories. Uh, It is just me though now, you know what I mean? But I didn't think of it. And by the time I'd sort of thought I should change my name, I'd already put a record out. And then it's just like, well, I don't know if I can go through that, you know, um, but it would have probably been wise because you can distance yourself more from it. Like, yeah. so I, you know, the Tame Impala thing. It's called mm. Kevin Parker. Uh, and Tame Impala kind of has this kind of... You envisage something. You don't just envisage a, some guy with an acoustic guitar, mm. which is, you know, pretty boring thing to think about after 50 years of it. You know what I mean? And you go on Facebook or something and just see a billion dudes with acoustic guitars. And you just think, oh, God i don't want to listen to that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't necessarily want to listen to what i do i try and keep it interesting i, I like listening to music that's kind of different from what i do mm. and then i use that to kind of flavor my songs mm. i can only sort of write the way i write i keep trying to change it but you do kind of get uh, a way to do it and it's you know you might be able to bend it a bit, but it's pretty difficult to just come do complete turnarounds. Or just for me, mm. but, you know. Um, well, for what it's worth, I think you do a great job of uh, keeping uh, your music interesting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that wasn't a big, massive compliment fish there, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: So what does uh, what does twelve or thirteen year old Dan think about? Like an album release like this, what would what would he kind of be feeling if you could kind of I don't know have that mindset of the twelve thirteen year old dorky kid who really wanted to impress girls and
1: have a career as a musician? Oh, I think I'd be excited. Um, it's like anything. Like yeah, you, you do, when you become a musician, you end up hanging out with musicians who you probably uh, completely idolized when you were younger. As a matter of course, and, and you often just go, wow, I'm at eating pretzels with Lennon Cohen or something like that, and you yeah, just go, wow. fucking hell. <laughs> um, but I probably would have found a way to down vibe it. Right. I mean, it's just my personality. I'm like, I'm not like a, de- a depressing type character, mm. but I've, I've I've never kind of kind of kind of been sort of elated or off on the massive ego trip where i just think awesome this is all going so great i always kind of tend to look at the negative and then it's like negative visualization (laughs) and i know it's stupid um but that's just just kind of what i do but then i kind of think right chin up and and make a joke about it and Mm. sort of soldier on um i think sometimes that can end up sort of painting you in a strange kind of corner because, um, you know, positive visualisation actually does work, I think. Mm. Thinking good stuff about what's going to happen and saying, I'm going to do it, and you can see it works for people. Mm. Um, I kind of can't help but just think, oh, this is probably not going to work. Yeah, right. Or this is going to peter out into a mediocre kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> and it generally does. <laughs> it's just, it's weird. It's so it's like, and so every time I think, just, no, vibe it up, you know, go American style yeah. just, I'm fucking awesome but I just can't it's just weirdly it's not in my nature to do that and uh, and so sometimes that can be a bit, you know what you do can end up being a self-fulfilling prophecy you know That's you just true. go I'm 41 I'm single I've got no money Um, my mum my mum likes me <laughs> you know uh, and, but then you get so then you just go no fuck you know you're doing all this stuff you're a lot you know you travel you've got good friends and mm. Um, and it's sort of something different mm. um, you're living your life doing what you love yeah <laughs> we've come down to that but it's like well, do I love it I, I don't know fuck yeah uh, it's, it's funny it's a snake eating its own tail <laughs> and yeah, maybe. Uh, um, but it's probably just it's just like anything I mean I I wonder if people who are scientists or had, still have the same career kind of uh you know, um, doubts and what am I doing and try to change this job or should I be working in neuroscience or, you know, there's your, there's your mavericks in every field who are out on the ledge. And then there's your people who are just kind of head down doing the one thing. And mm. I don't know what's more satisfying is a, I wish I could, I often dream about just walking into another life, you know, sometimes getting off a, tr- a train and just walking to another house and that being your new life and just going, I wonder what that's like. Yeah. Uh, but you can't really escape who you are, um, or your past. Or I mean, I think people who try and kill themselves, or like fake their own deaths, it's not it's not usually very successful. But some people have obviously managed to do it, and I wonder how they're going. Yeah, whether they've end up just constructing the same bunch of bullshit that they faced last time. Mm. You know, people seem to run away from do that because they're often in debt, or someone's out to get them over drugs, or or they were having a, an affair. Or had two families going. or And so they just fake their own death and head off. I wonder if they just end up doing the same thing that got them into trouble the last time. Yeah. Or whether they get it right the second time, you
0: know. I think people are, are prone to repeating patterns and habits until they address whatever the issue is that's at the core of that. Yeah. Um, which is usually a matter of self-love, yeah. I think.
1: Um. So you should love yourself more or less. I ask myself this about a lot of people. Right. <laughs> some people I see on TV, I think, you should love yourself less yeah. <laughs> for all of our sake. But, you know, in the same token, yeah, you end up, you paint yourself in a corner because you just down vibe yourself or you feel bad about what you do or some sense of guilt or mm. people put it on their religion or their childhood or some trauma or it's, I mean, you just hear the same thing repeated you hear people talking about relationships on a tram and it's just the same shit that you say to your friends so so we're all kind of weirdly going through it I mm. don't know but if you address it I don't know does that make it better um, or if you address it publicly which everyone's doing or does it just add to the kind of mm. swirling me-isms mm. should you just shut up and go and sort of <laughs> sit under a tree <laughs> somewhere <laughs> I do think about this stuff again you know, constantly oh I you think know, about it as should well I run away uh, is solitude the answer or is that just a way to kind of is that just a kind of another kind of massive ego trip yeah uh, You know, maybe it's true, have some kids or could just communicate, don't service for other people might be a way to do it mm. you know, subsume yourself in uh, communicating and working with other people you actually might be satisfied and sort of forget about why you feel anxious Mm. you you know possibly feel anxious because you think you should be achieving all this stuff and be a success and everyone particularly in the artistic field must feel um, slighted if their thing doesn't take off and why should it you know why are you any better than anybody else or do you deserve it mm. you know I don't know how many records came out this, this week <laughs> maybe hundreds and hundreds of you know, possibly thousands just in a week mm. it's like do we all deserve to have a, a car and a house and a and is it deserve even the right word for that can can, can we all sustain that i don't know um, i am rambling now i guess I it's know, it, the, you know it can come down to
0: a matter of entitlement you know what are you what's your intention with what you're doing yeah i don't mean you specifically i mean in a broader sense what's the intention are you doing it to fulfill your ego or are you doing it to make a difference or are you doing it because you feel that this is a story or a song or a, um, a drawing or a painting or whatever it is um, that needs to be told that could make a difference, that could affect a positive change. Um, like you, I don't necessarily believe in positive thinking. Um, I certainly believe that we have the ability to control our thoughts yeah. and that a lot of people live in a victimized state where they feel as though they're out of control. Uh, They're kind of living in the effects of everything as opposed to trying to be someone who is causing or creating the lifestyle that they want. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, And I think negative thoughts, in inverted commas, with this visual medium that we're speaking on, Uh, I think that negative thoughts can be useful. So for me, it's about the discernment around what is useful, what's not useful, what's going to benefit me Mm. in moving forward with what I want to do. And ultimately, I think for everyone, it's about a return to a state of being, and this is going to sound a bit kind of, corny but a state of being in an unconditional love space or an energy or a whatever your particular terminology is for that where we're actually just in a free state to express what we want without ego attachment hmm. well, something to aspire to <laughs> yeah i i imagine it would feel good mm. you mentioned before um, about people uh, hiding in their religions. Are you a religious person at all? We've talked a lot about kind of existential
1: stuff. I come from a kind of a, quite a strong kind of lefty Catholic social justice kind of base. Um, well, my mum's an atheist, but probably from my dad's side of the family. Um, so I think that's kind of shaped me, but I don't really have any kind of strong belief that that's a, there's a deity out there. Mm. Um, but then i don't have i'm probably agnostic i mean i there's an you know spirituality and the kind of ecstasy that people get um from that or the search from that or the kind of you know devotion these are things that i often make the best music and the best art and uh the, and there's yeah there's something to that there's uh that I'm not willing to just discount by being completely kind of... I'm kind of willing to accept that there's stuff there that I just don't get and we don't get. Mm. Um, but whether that's kind of uh, a religious figure or just an energy that we don't understand. or And I haven't kind of lost the concept of God because I was just grown up, brought up with it. You know what I mean? So this is the... You can't kind of shake that completely you could probably go through a process of breaking it down just by completely rejecting it mm. but I I didn't have like a bad childhood where I felt like it filled me full of some kind of guilt or weirdness or you know from it was a very kind of I kind of like what Catholicism brought to my family if they, oh I think they were just good people but the, the idea of going out and really serving people and that set of rules would seem to kind of suit us so i'm not traumatized by that mm. so i didn't go through some period of rejecting it heavily i just don't really believe in probably what set it all up and i'm really aware of certainly what the church has you know a lot of the evils that have come with you know the institution that was built around that set of beliefs you know which is you know it's not the only institution that was pretty flawed and what was done in the name of it so but yeah no I don't have a, I don't have a religion per se I'm just kind of figuring it all out I'm, mm. open, I'm open to anything yeah. <laughs> you know um, yeah mm. that's my answer
0: that's your answer <laughs> yeah you talked before about um, when you do perform with Paul the kind of intensity of that uh, energy exchange with those kind of bigger crowds yeah. and I guess you probably have that smaller Um, crowds yeah i was gonna say yeah with um with any crowds
1: yeah i mean i i get it i particularly enjoy it when i play solo myself because i can if you i just talk and if people get on my wavelength and because it's kind of their humorous songs
0: there's definitely a lot of irony and you know what you yeah
1: and a pathos i suppose and uh if people are getting it you can feel it and that is a really good feeling Mm. um playing with a band is really fun too, but it's often, it's, there's so many other factors like sound and whether you're all gelling uh, and whether the crowd's getting it because it's easier for them to just kind of dig this, the sound than rather than focus on the kind of, the stories. So you, you're playing a different kind of show and there's a lot more variables that can go wrong. So you get that, but I've I, I found it easy to get with a solo show. That's more nerve wracking to pull it off because mm. you're just standing there with your voice and the guitar. Um, but the, just the physical kind of excitement of playing with the band and the kind of, like I said, I still like that kind of, I like a beat, a rock and roll beat, mm. you know. Uh, it's a real kick mm. if you get that right. The first show today, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must be pretty pumped.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I
1: mean. I'm excited. I'm just going the list of things to tick off before I actually get I'm standing there playing (laughs) with a band there's mental
0: lists I know that and you released the single for this album uh, what about five or six weeks
1: ago yeah and a video a few weeks ago Mm, you had Sonny Lunick do that yeah and Sonny's a great guy to talk about all this stuff with because you know he's he's kind he does calendar he does like this uninspiring quotes calendar right. I and mean, he's quite the cynic about all that stuff too right um, but like me he's just trying to figure it out like all of us mm. if anyone has the answer you know write me a letter <laughs> <laughs> um, the
0: single is called never stop the rot that um, Sonny directed the clip for yeah that's um, a really quirky cool little clip
1: yeah it's a funny clip I don't know uh i mean it's quite family friendly but kind of odd as well um My favorite section is the band just on exercise bikes in the middle, yeah, yeah. in space <laughs> that 's the best kind of guitar solo backing i've seen because it says none of me and there's none of guitar- there's no guitar, and there's no me, even though it's a guitar solo mm. just the band or on the astral exercise bikes, just looking at the camera mm. i'm like that's my favorite bit of a video yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: Uh, well, on that note uh yeah. it seems like a good segue into the last question, which is a question I like to end with everyone, which is uh what makes you silly um,
1: i don't know I think i just it 's probably what i 'm into the kind of the literature and the music that I like I like funny stuff, yeah, you know, and uh it keeps me uh if stuff's a bit absurd in my music or just in my general life or my view of the world, it kind of um, makes me happy. So I kind of encourage silliness. I gravitate towards band members who have got a, a good sense of the silly and the absurd because <laughs> um, you spend a lot of time with them. Uh, I like serious people, but I do, I do gravitate towards funny people. Mm. You know, uh, Any silly uh, stories from the road? Oh God! This sort of nothing's sort of specific. It's just usually fun. Um, the Alpha Males were a very fun band to tour with as well. You know, they would just generally make stuff up to do the whole time, mm. so that it just didn't get into that boring sort of drinking, being on the road, kind of road dog kind of vibe. Yeah, They yeah. always would make some. You know, they would. You'd sort of get backstage, and they would have made a. Um, and like an it's a knockout style, um, one of the obstacle course out of, you know, tables and amplifiers and be jumping around, or, or you know, you'd go backstage at a festival and they'd be chasing each other around the field with the tarago playing tarago tiggy, or mm. and that stuff. Got, you know, and I'd be sitting there thinking, oh god, I don't know if that show was any good, and they'd just be kind of leaping around retardedly, mm. having a great time, and that kind of it takes you out of your own head. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, make it made it more fun. Um so they they were a good and this band too, everyone's you know, got a good sense of humour. Uh, good with words. Because mm. that's wording kind of you know, intellectual, semi intellectual kind of <laughs> rock. So yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: How important is it for you to take things with good sense of humor?
1: Oh, it looks really important to me, I just think. Some people are really good. Good-hearted, good people just don't have senses of humor, and it blows my mind. Yeah, and it makes the world hard to deal with because you know you make a joke on the internet, or somebody does. Not everyone gets it, mm. and then you know half the then you spend people spent you know you're trying to figure out. Oh, is that cool? Or should I have said that? Or um, it's it's a the world's made up of everyone, and um, but not everyone has a sense of humor. Mm. I think it makes. That's why there's wars <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> Some people just don't get it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that funny people are necessarily any better people, too. Like pro- probably a lot of evil funny people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like, I just kind of, I do get um, amazed when people just don't get stuff. You just sort of, just, they just never really learn to be funny. And you just go, oh, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, can I have that piece of cheesecake, please? <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for uh, coming and rambling with me. No, oh, no worries. It's much better when I do it with someone else than on my own. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been a pleasure.